Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast, Second on the Mount. I'm George Anderson, minister at Second Presbyterian in Roanoke, Virginia. I do not take it for granted that people sit in the pews on Sunday morning or listen to these podcasts hoping to hear something that connects them to God, to each other, to the world. And so I spend hours seeking the right word for the right time and said in the right way. I welcome your feedback. I encourage your sharing this sermon with anyone it might benefit. And I hope you'll return to this podcast again or come visit us for worship. We'd be happy to have you. Let us pray. Holy God, speak your word to us and grant us the courage to respond. Amen. Our passage is from Luke. So let me tell you about John. John's gospel is a book of conversations. We learn that in the very first verses when we learn of a new creation. Genesis 1 tells the story of God speaking and creation coming into being. And then in John 1, we hear the story of God speaking and his word becoming flesh and dwelling among us full of grace and truth. And then as John's gospel tells the story of Jesus, the word fleshed among us, we move from one long conversation to another. Conversation number one, Jesus and Nicodemus have one of those late night talks when the night invites intimacy and the relaxing of one's guard. And Nicodemus, a Pharisee who normally is the teacher, becomes a student and asks Jesus, what does it mean to have life with God? I mean, is it to be born again, born anew, born from above? And their late night chat lasts an entire chapter. Nothing happens really, except that maybe a relationship with Jesus begins. Conversation number two, Jesus and a Samaritan woman happen to meet at a well. It's a place of idle chatter, only their conversation goes deep. This is surprising because a man is not supposed to talk theology with a woman and a Jew is not supposed to associate with a Samaritan, and yet they ignore boundaries of gender, religion, and race and speak of the nourishment of the Spirit, their different doctrines, their different traditions of worship, and even imagine together how a day is coming when their differences won't matter anymore and they will worship together in spirit and in truth. This conversation lasts another chapter. And again, nothing happens except that a relationship is born. And so it goes. One long conversation after another with one conversation lasting four chapters. Sometimes something happens, a miracle like healing. But always the focus is on the conversation that comes of a relationship. For John, you see, faith is a conversation of sorts. Faith is not some long list of doctrines to be memorized. It's not some long list of rules, but rather the interchange of a relationship of hearing and speaking, receiving and giving, call and response. But as I said... Our passage isn't from John's gospel. It's from Luke's gospel. I've begun with John, though, because it provides just the right introduction, I think, to hearing our passage from Luke. Listen for God to speak to you in the reading of Luke 1, 26-28, and then consider how to respond. In the sixth month, 
the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin, engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. I've adapted to the times. I read some on Kindle now. Millie has encouraged this because she thinks that neither my house or study can hold more books. But if I had my druthers, I would still hold every book with the weight of the pages in my hand. And I do love the first moment of curiosity and expectation when I pick up for the first time a book that I've chosen to read. What do you have to tell me? I ask it. Are you going to get personal? Move me in some way? Call something about me into question? Challenge me to think differently? Maybe live differently? Then again, sometimes the thought that I might be challenged can keep me from even cracking the binder. If I know that the book is going to challenge some comfortable truth of mine, my place of privilege in this world perhaps, well, or maybe revealing the horrors of which we human beings are capable. Well, there might be some good ball game on TV to watch instead. I mean, a book looks good on the shelf whether it's read or not, right? What frightens Mary the most? That an angel appears to her or what that angel might say that will change her life. It seems clear that she's afraid when Gabriel appears. I mean, who wouldn't be? If you want evidence, just notice what Gabriel says. Do not be afraid, Mary. I think that first on Gabriel's agenda is to let Mary know that death has not shown up at her door. And Gabriel goes on to explain his appearance. I've come because you have found favor with God. Gabriel's words make certain that Mary knows that somehow she is being addressed by God through the angel's words that she is about to hear, maybe indirectly, God's word to her, and she knows this, and she knows that something is going to be expected from her. It goes all the way back to Abraham, this being favored business. Jews know that to find favor with God isn't about God playing favorites. It means 
that God has a purpose in mind. Gabriel goes on to let Mary know what that purpose is. She will conceive and give birth to the one for whom Israel has been waiting for a long time. Her son will be called King David, really, because that's what the King David was once called. He was called the Son of God. This child is going to be the one who will grow up and then restore Israel. Now Mary's young, but she's smart. She knows that this news, this calling, will turn her life upside down unless she can escape it or run away from it or somehow turn the calling down as if that's even possible. Now, we hear this story from the distance of two millennia, and it sounds an awful lot like good news to us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're called Gospels because that means good news. It is good news. We can even say that Mary is honored to be chosen to bear the Son of God, and it's true Mary is honored, but what Mary can't miss is how much is being asked of her. To raise a child alone is a lot. To give that son away to a people who are not always kind is another thing. To give her son back to God to do what God wills. And we can hear the tremor in her voice when she says, But I am but a virgin. Or if you want to choose the other way, the Greek can be translated, But I am but a young woman. Am I up for this? Is perhaps what Mary really is asking. And Gabriel responds, You are not being asked to be up for anything on your own. The Holy Spirit will be with you. To which Mary responds, I am a handmaiden of the Lord. And the angel leaves and things are as they were. Nothing changed, nothing that you can see. But a conversation has taken place because that's what this is. It's the conversation of faith. God speaks. Mary listens. God calls. Mary responds. God gives a son, and Mary welcomes him. And I wonder if we can join the conversation. I mean, we've heard this passage, I don't know how many times in our lives, but it's a conversation we're invited to join every time we hear it. Now, Mary's new purpose as a servant of God, as a handmaiden of the Lord, is uniquely hers, no doubt. But if we're not too frightened to hear it, perhaps we can overhear something that's really meant for us, that there is some sense in which God comes to each of us today, giving us the gift of his son to restore us and calling from us some kind of response that can change everything, perhaps, even if nothing visible has changed. Maybe there is some unique way in which we can respond to the news that God comes not only to Mary, but to all of Israel. And then when we read the rest of the Gospel of Luke, we learn to the whole world, which means that God comes to each of us, and the question is, how will we respond? That's the question for every single worship service we have in the sanctuary. Have you ever noticed our whole service is about call and response? For our special music this evening, we will have a conversation in music. The anthem is call and response as the choir will sing and we will respond. We'll be practicing in a way the conversation of faith. 
pay attention to what it is that we hear and what it is that we sing, because maybe we'll hear news that's not just for the world, but specifically for you today or for me today. And maybe it will be a conversation that calls something out of us, something like what was called of Mary, a response of faith. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.